in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, the star of stage and screen, the inimitable senior writer, Jonathan Strickland. Hey there. <laughs> That's... That's my that's my disaffected Hollywood voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, right off the bat, we've talked about Windows 8 before. Yes, we have. We know that. Yes. So don't write in. But when we talked about Windows 8, it was uh, from whatever little information we could glean at the time because we had not had any experience really using Windows 8, at least not much. I think we had – you had, I think, downloaded an early, early, early build of Windows 8, a developer build. Yes. And that was all we had had a chance to play with. But since then – we have had a chance uh, to play with the more or less full version of Windows 8. Now, granted, mm-hmm. by the time this podcast goes out, Windows 8 will have been released to the wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the wild, to the wild, wild people will be using Windows 8 by the time this podcast goes live. Yes. But we're recording it the week before that happens. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I am one of those people that uh, I've learned sort of from past experience that Maybe you don't want to stand in line for the brand new operating system the first day it comes out. It might be better to see what happens and let them release a, uh, an update a before you go ahead yeah. and uh, put it on there. Because this, it seems this, like there's – and it doesn't seem to matter who it's coming from. This Just no, computer yeah, this operating is, systems in general. It's agnostic as far yes. as, uh, as operating systems go in the sense that – there's only there's so much testing you can do during the development of an operating system, yeah. but the the even the most rigorous testing uh, environment is not going to be able to account for every single way people use their computers and the software they use and the hardware they use. So often in the early days of any operating system being released, you'll hear problems about or people complain about problems like uh, certain software doesn't seem to work with that operating system or it doesn't seem to recognize particular types of hardware. You Mm -hmm. you plug it in and like the Mm -hmm. driver is missing so you can't use this one particular kind of hardware like a microphone or mixer or (laughs) that's the kind of stuff that I always worry about. Yeah, I I was writing a paper for school but I wanted to go ahead and install the new operating system and now I can't print. Yeah, that can happen. (laughs) Uh So, uh, but, but. Yeah. Beyond that, I mean, that's just a problem that is that goes with the territory with yeah. any new operating system. We wanted to talk more about what makes Windows 8 different, and uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's it's a dramatic departure from previous versions of Windows. Yeah. Uh, if you are familiar with the the way Windows tends to look, it's, it's a graphic user interface and has been for a couple of decades now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, you know, you, you're, you're used to things like the start button at the and the bottom, which was introduced. What was that? Windows ninety five or ninety eight? That's I remember it being in Windows ninety five. Okay, so it's been around for a while and it's gone now. So that's it's been so long since I've used Windows three point X that I right don't, I don't even remember. remember. What, I just remember all the tiles or or the the icons rather, yeah. not tiles, but the icons that you would click on. So you know, Windows eight still has a desktop mode, although the start button is gone from it. Um, yes. So if you were used to the start button, yeah, be prepared to lose it. Right, it's gone. Uh, but it also the probably the, the the thing that's gotten the most attention uh, is the the tiled interface that Windows 8 has. The Windows 8 interface, 
Yes. Um, that you can uh, – when you look at it, you just know this thing was made for touchscreen devices. You you look at it and you're like, this is – it's clear that these are the kind of icons where if this were a touchscreen, I would touch that part of the screen and the app would launch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, that is the case. It is designed so that it will work both with touchscreen interface devices or displays and – with uh, the more traditional keyboard and mouse interface. Yeah. Um, you could do either. Uh, I think it's – with our, our limited experience with it, I would say that uh, I, I would imagine there's going to be quite a learning curve for people who adopt this, who are – especially people who are really used to older versions of Windows. Mm-hmm. It's going to take time to get to – a familiarity with this operating system where they, they feel they can navigate through it uh, seamlessly, particularly if they're using a keyboard and mouse. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's impossible. It's not that Windows has made it uh, uh, ungainly or anything. It's just so different from what you knew before that it's going to take time to learn all those tricks. Mm-hmm. And uh, it may be a little frustrating yeah. at first. Now, if you have a touchscreen device or touchscreen display, it's going to feel pretty natural because it's got this, like I said, this tiled uh, approach to laying out all the apps. And you navigate the way, I guess the way you navigate just about any touchscreen interface at this point. You touch the screen, you can drag your finger one way or the other, and it moves the tiles accordingly. And then by tapping on a tile, you open up the the app or feature or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I mean, it, it, it's very intuitive from a touch perspective, but using the mouse and keyboard, like I said, it's going to, it's going to take some time to, for people to adjust to the different layout and the different uh, navigation scheme. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, uh, Microsoft really got into the navigation and how people are going to be using this. And they, um, it's clear that they were thinking about something that could be uh, cross hardware. Yeah. Um, you know, it could be used on a computer, could be used on a mobile device. Right. Um, and frankly, you know, if you look at the form factor of screens of all types, we've really gone, you know, toward the 16 by 9 ratio as opposed to the 4 by 3, which 4 by 3 is like a standard definition TV when you're looking at it. And the 16 by 9 is the um, the way an HD TV looks. So it's, right. you know, uh, longer, more rectangular, less square. And more of a widescreen look. Uh, yeah. And our, I mean, our phones look like that. Tablets look like that. Um, computer monitors look like that. Uh, laptops have, have developed, you know, according to that, too. So uh, it, it makes a lot more sense um, to have the operating system be designed with that in mind. Right. And um, they've really... Um, you know, talking about the earlier release that we had a chance to play with some quite some time ago now, um, Microsoft has been really um, outgoing about its efforts to woo the developers, um, right? Because you know they do have a, a strong relationship with their developers. Yes, and um, they uh, they are subtle subtle uh, little uh, references to a very popular video on YouTube. <laughs> Which is not so subtle. But no, they've, they've, they've really reached out and said, look, these are guidelines that we've, uh, that we've come up with, usability guidelines, navigation guidelines. We really think if you design your applications to work with this in mind, it will be a positive experience. And the, the, the apps that we had a chance to play around with really did, uh, you know, it, 
it wasn't seamless, but there was very little seam, if you will. I yeah. mean, they, they really did fit in with the environment. Pardon me while I smack the table with my knee. What's, what's interesting also is that, you know, bringing the world of mobile with the world of PC yeah. together mm-hmm. is challenging on multiple fronts. Um, one, you have to design hardware that is capable of keeping up with uh, like mobile hardware that's capable of keeping up with what we're used to from a PC, whether it's a laptop or a desktop. Uh, you also have to factor in, well, the input uh, for a tablet tends to be very different than the input for a computer. So how do we uh, account for that? For apps that are designed for touch, there's no problem. You know, that's, that's designed with the tablet form factor in mind. Mm-hmm. But what about those desktop applications that are not designed for touch interface, at least not not primarily designed for touch interface. Right. How do you get around that? And it's it's Windows eight is a is goes a long way to trying to reconcile all of that. Now uh, it, we haven't had chance to really play with all the different stuff that we would normally use on a Windows machine. For example, uh, Office, which is you know that's. Productivity software. Mm-hmm. A lot of people know what Microsoft, you know, they've used Microsoft Office. It's Word and Excel and PowerPoint, things like that. Uh, I've used those quite a bit on computers uh, with the mouse and keyboard combinations. I'm very familiar with that. I don't know what that would be like on a tablet if I did not have a, a, a peripheral ad- devices because most tablets nowadays will support peripheral devices, whether that's through Bluetooth or USB or whatever. Right. But you can often connect to a tablet something like a keyboard and a mouse, uh, or it'll have a docking station where you can connect everything through the docking station to the tablet. And it uh, it becomes essentially like a very lightweight laptop computer. Yeah. It's just that all the elements detach from each other. Um, now, in that case, you would... I could see using those those uh, those pieces of software in essentially the same way you would if it were a true laptop or PC. Without them, I'm not sure how I would use them. Uh, it's not to say that they're unusable. I just haven't had that experience. Right. But that's one of the challenges that Microsoft faces with Windows 8 and the design of an operating system that can work on both mobile and, and uh, PC platforms mm-hmm. is how do you – Make sure that you you are catering to both audiences without sacrificing too much for either one, because if you cater too much on the tablet side, everyone who uses the desktop or laptop uh, version of the the operating system is going to feel like things are too difficult to do in that form factor to justify that operating system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, so. Balancing that is really tricky, and I think they did a pretty good job with it. We did practice uh, navigating through Windows 8 using only the mouse and keyboard. So even though we were we were using it on a tablet, we had a tablet device that had Windows 8 loaded on it that we right. tried to mm-hmm. play with. By the way, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, it was not the Surface. No. I, I, I really want to play with a Surface tablet, but I have not had that opportunity yet. At least as of the recording of this podcast, who knows by the time between when this is recorded and when it launches. I'm going to guess I still haven't really played with one, but uh, unless there's a store that happens to have one. Anyway, uh, we we did navigate with just the keyboard and mouse, and it, it took some – it 
even for us, it took some time for us to kind of just even get the basics. Yeah. But once we got the basics, we're like, okay, I understand how this works now. It's definitely mm-hmm. one of those things where I'd have to train my brain to catch up to make this feel natural. But, uh, you know, we could definitely see how to get around whether or not it's easy enough for the average user so that that level of frustration isn't overwhelming. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be, That'll be a real test of the operating system. It'll, uh, especially once people, if people want to go to the desktop to use some of the more robust programs, because as I understand it, things like the productivity software of Office would be in the desktop version of the view, not the Windows 8 interface version of the view. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to open up Word, you would go into the desktop and then open it up that way. And you would, you know, do all your, your work in there. Now they do have some, uh, they have an upcoming version of, of uh, Office that's going to incorporate touch commands as yeah. well as your regular keyboard and mouse commands. But even then, I think it's all relegated to the – If I, I may be wrong about this, but I think it's all relegated to the desktop version of uh, the view of Microsoft 8, not the interface, mm-hmm. not the tiled interface. Um, one, one thing that – I'm sorry, did I – No, all I was going to say is that w- – this should not be confused with there are two different versions of this tiled interface coming mm-hmm. out. There's Windows RT and there's Windows 8. And Windows RT is designed for mobile devices that are on the lower powered end of the spectrum. So yeah. the, these are ones that that tiled interface is what you get. And that's, you know, it's it's mainly meant to to compete in the tablet market as we understand it today. So that being things like the iPad and Android tablets where they are running uh, simplified versions of software. So the, the software doesn't tend to be as robust as a full PC uh, program would be. You know, they're, the, they're more like the apps that we've become accustomed to over the last few years. Yeah. Uh, Windows 8, the full version of Windows 8, is something that is running on higher-end tablets as well as PCs and laptops. That would be... Uh, the one that has the desktop view and mm-hmm. can run these more robust programs like Microsoft Office. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's a good point because they've kind of gone in the other direction too, um, to have some of the elements of Microsoft Office bleed over into the operating system. Um, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but in opening a couple of the windows, just on, in Windows Explorer, I noticed that uh, the ribbon uh, interface from uh, Office, which Jonathan loves so much, by the way, um, that appears at the top of the screen with all your little uh, gadgets and uh, gizmos aplenty. Um, and who's it's and what's it's galore? Yes. Um, the, that same interface is appearing in other parts of Windows, at least in there. So uh, people who are familiar with Office are going to be familiar with that part of the operating system as a whole, with that part of the interface as a whole. So I think I finally figured that ribbon thing out now. <laughs> oh, that's about time for him to change it then. Yeah. No, that, that is something that I, I feel a lot of empathy toward users who get frustrated with major changes in operating systems or any kind of software. Because sure. when you become accustomed to something and you really have uh, streamlined your approach to using a particular piece of software – it does become a bit of a frustration when that changes so dramatically as to interrupt that flow. Yeah. And I mean, I, this is not, this is not unique to Windows 
or really to Microsoft at all. This is mm-hmm. something that goes across all platforms, all software, all operating systems, really any product when you get down to it, is that when you get used to the way something is and then you get the new thing that's, you know, even if it's demonstrably better than the old thing, if it's different enough, you start to <laughs> complain about, I can't find anything on this this because yeah. it's it they changed where everything is. Um, so I'm not immune to that. Yeah. Well, uh, Apple has had the same thing going on oh, too. Yeah. With yeah. Um, uh, one of the th- the the example that popped into my mind was the uh, recent change of the scroll direction with a scrolling mouse. Oh, they, right, right, right. They flipped it so that um, so it emulated it a touchpad. Exactly. So if you you know use your iPad and you know you you go through your email. And then you go to your computer, you, you don't scroll in the opposite direction. And people complained about that. And, uh, of course, Apple made it, it possible for you to go into your, your system preferences and, and turn that it off back, yeah. and make it make it the uh, uh, traditional way. But people were complaining about that thing. And and you can you can tell. I mean, it's with Windows like, – No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say with Windows 8, with the, the option for the more touchscreen oriented layout, even mm-hmm. on a computer mm-hmm. and uh, the Mac OS appearing more like iOS that, that um, computer and operating system manufacturers are seeing that the, the world's bleeding over into one another, that you expect computer functionality from a tablet or a smartphone and you expect navigation to work the same on, on both. And beyond that, that you expect to be able to work on the same stuff from one platform to the next right. in a in a seamless a way as possible. Mm-hmm. So this brings in the whole idea of the cloud in there as well, so that when you are saving a project, whatever it may be, in whatever program you're thinking about, that when you put down one piece of technology and pick up another, that you are able to go right back into that project uninterrupted as if you had been working on the same platform the entire time. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a really powerful experience anyone who has had that where they you know something as simple as watching a video on let's say you pull up a a, a really long video like a movie mm-hmm. on your laptop and you're watching a bit of it and then uh, you have to take a bus ride somewhere and it's a long bus ride so you pull up your your phone and you got your ear ear uh, earbuds in because you're being nice and you're not listening to something so that the entire bus has to hear you watch Independence Day you um you pull it up and it uh, and because you're using this this uh, uh service that goes across multiple platforms it pulls it up right where you left off when you were watching it on the PC mm-hmm. and you, you continue watching it and then you get home and you think oh well I've got this set top box connected to my television and th- there's the last 15 minutes of the movie and I need to see uh uh Quaid go up and blow himself up inside the giant uh spaceship spoiler alert um then you know you can you can load that up, and because again, it's a, a service that goes across these multiple platforms, it picks up right where you left off on the phone. That's a great experience, and I mean that's that's the one that I think everyone uses as an example. Like you're listening to music, or you're watching a movie, and you're able to move from one device to another and continue that experience. It's always shown as being completely seamless, which in reality never happens. There's always <laughs> there's always buffering. There's there's lots of things that go into that, but. You know, the idea is there. Well, the same thing is true with these operating systems uh, like Windows 8, where the idea is to try and have the mobile world and PC world together so that you can have uh, an uninterrupted experience in whatever you're working in. So that way, 
if you need to pick up and go and you want to do some minor changes to something on a tablet that you had been working on in a PC, you have that option. And, uh, and so that requires a very robust operating system that is, uh, that can be used in multiple form factors. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also true that in upcoming, there, there are more and more laptops and even uh, desktop displays coming out that have touchscreen uh, functionality built into them. Uh, I do not own any of these. I don't have a touchscreen display. I don't have a laptop with a touchscreen uh, monitor. But um, but I'd imagine they're pretty pricey for for most people at this point. Yeah, but they they have been coming out. I mean, I, I remember seeing a few of them a couple of years ago at CES, and I'm sure I'll see a lot more of them at the 2013 CES. Uh, I don't know. It may very well be that the future of operating systems requires that kind of hardware to be optimal, right, for you mm-hmm. to get the most out of it. Uh, but again, the goal that Microsoft had was to treat, create an operating system that no matter what form you were using uh, to run the operating system on, you would be able to navigate through it as uh, easily as possible. It's it's a challenging thing because it's so fundamentally different. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that was something that Apple really paid attention to in the development of the iPhone and the iPod Touch, and then later the iPad, mm-hmm. was that how do we design a an operating system that is easy and intuitive, and uh, do we you know how much attention do we pay to our uh, computer version of that operating system? Like do do we model it after a computer version? And Apple's decision was to de- depart dramatically from the computer operating system. Uh, Microsoft's decision is more to create a an experience that can work across all of it as opposed to let's do something specifically for this form factor and only this form factor yeah Microsoft of course is uh, the still very much the the uh, operating system of choice for businesses yeah and very um, very popular among enterprise uh, applications yeah and I, I would I would Say that it's likely that uh, with the release of the new Office suite and the um, the cross hardware capabilities of the operating system, they're they're planning on making a big push to be the operating system with Windows 8 for the uh, for the enterprise market. Yeah, you know, uh, plus with uh, the hybrid computers coming out now too, the uh, laptops that have a removable screen that turns into a tablet, right? Um, or they flip around and become the, a, a slate. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, these are intended to, you know, to function in multiple modes. And uh, you know, previously the, uh, the the Lenovo that you saw at CES a couple of years ago, yeah, um, the U1, yeah. Um, it, when you pulled the you know the screen out and it became a tablet, it it ran on Linux, right? It's and switched, not on Windows. It switched operating systems. When it was in laptop form, it was running a, a version of Windows. And then you detach the screen and it would switch to a Linux based operating system. The idea of trying, again, trying to maintain, uh, the, the seamless approach as much as possible so that right. if you were working on something in Windows and then you detach the screen, it would open up a comparable, uh, application within Linux and try to continue that, uh, experience, which as I'm sure you can all imagine is not an easy thing to do, nor was it 
completely successful. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's so a tough, uh, that was a tough thing. And then they changed it, I think, with uh, going to an Android-based approach, I think, in a later version. It, it still never made it to market in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. But this – but but having Windows 8 be able to, uh, uh, you know, function in either – uh, mode it's going to make that a lot more possible and they'll right. be able to to make that push and I think you're you're going to see developers working on more productivity uh, stuff that's what you're going to see in the Windows Store earlier and that's actually we hadn't talked about the Windows Store right really which is is going to be the marketplace for Windows apps right so um, to to find stuff you would go to the Windows Store and they'll have it organized by category they'll have it organized uh, and you can do searches things like that to find the stuff that you need to find uh, the app development process is uh, very well documented on Microsoft you can find mm-hmm. out lots of information if you are interested in building apps for the Windows 8 platform oh yeah um, they talk a lot about the fact that, you know, Chris talked about this earlier. They, Microsoft's done a lot of research on how people use tablets and they can even, they share that research with developers. So if you're a developer and you want to create an app that has, uh, you know, it's, you know, you've got a primary function for that app as well as some other secondary or tertiary functions. Uh, you can look at that research and see, oh, this is how people use tablets. This is how they typically hold them. It makes most sense for me to put the primary feature of my app in this location because it will be the most convenient for the user. You know, That's the kind of uh, research Microsoft has done so that developers can uh, take some of the guesswork out and not have to build out something, test it, then totally redesign it and build it a different way if their first build doesn't seem to be, you know, uh, optimally laid out for the user. They have something called the grid, which is this, uh, this, it's kind of a way of aligning your app. Like once you've designed it, you can, you can line it up, uh, so that it is attractive and effective, uh, and, and that it'll work well within the Windows 8 operating system. Also, uh, it's where Tron fights for the users. That is where Tron fights for the users. End of line. Uh, <laughs> there's uh, uh, yeah, the grid. There's yeah. There's um. There are a lot of resources out there, and and like uh, w- there was one that Chris and I looked at, uh, even about navigating. You know how yeah. to how to design the navigation of your app, and it gave lots of high level approaches to, you know, ways you could design your app so that the user can navigate through it and find what he or she wants. Right. And, I mean, it's just obvious that they've tried to build as many uh, resources for developers as possible so that people can go out there and build uh, great apps. And, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, that's important. I mean, that's important for Microsoft. If, if For Windows 8 to do well, it needs to have really great apps to show off within its interface. You know, if, if a if all the apps that come out are just sort of half-hearted attempts, that does not reflect well on Windows 8. Even if the operating excuse me, but even if the operating system itself is uh, phenomenal, if the apps aren't any good, then that's what people are going to remember. So uh, Microsoft's really gone out of the way to try and uh, give developers a, a head start. Uh, for creating things specifically for the Windows 8 environment. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting to note too that the developing for the language could mean one of 
really kind of a couple different things. Um, you could be using the traditional languages of computer programming, like C++ um, um, and C Sharp. Yeah. And, and that's what I sort of think of when I think of programming. I'm thinking you're getting into that. But they also use a lot of web, web languages, too. They're, they're promoting the use of HTML5 along with uh, you know, JavaScript and, and CSS to complement the, the HTML, um, which, of course, you know, is, is one of the rising uh, methods of creating web apps right. too these days. So, you know, if you are a, um, if you are a web, web developer, you may find yourself able to create apps for Windows 8 as well. Um, right. Depending on what you needed to do. Yeah, you may be. Without like, having to get into. Like, let's say, let's say you have a, a website about, uh, movie news and rumors. Okay. And, uh, you've got this, this website and you thought, well, what if we created an app where, uh, people could launch the app and read the top stories and breaking news, that kind of thing. Um, then, you know, building that app in HTML5 is probably going to be a lot easier for you. One, you're already going to be familiar with HTML. Mm-hmm. But two, you'll be able to port over a lot of the content that you want to showcase in this app because it was built on HTML. So, you don't have to convert anything. You don't have to build anything new uh, in that sense. Right. So a lot of your work is already done for you. And that's uh, that's another thing about the, the resources. Uh, they do go into detail about what the different languages are and even give suggestions over you know when to use each family of languages yeah. depending on your expertise and what you want your app to do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, clearly someone who's building – a game is going to be looking at languages very differently than someone who wants to port a web a web page experience into a web app experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, and I mean, the other thing was that Chris and I, we're not web developers. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we've done some programming, but that was, for me, that was a long time ago. Uh, I don't yeah. remember the last time I actually sat down to program something. So the what I'm getting at is that the information that was laid out was very easily uh understandable for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And that's from someone who has not done any programming in a very long time and has not kept up with it, frankly. So yeah. um, that was something I appreciated was the fact that it was easy to understand. Yeah. Just just, uh, just ask developers. The easier it is to program for a platform, you know, the, the more, in, you know, worthwhile it seems. If you have to go way out of your way to learn some obscure programming language just for this one operating system. Yeah, especially for something that, you know, you aren't, you can't be sure what the success rate is going to be. Right. Then that tends to make people shy away from developing. Yeah. Understandably, because you have a limited amount of time and resources to dedicate to this sort of stuff. So you want to, you want to aim for um, the, the best targets possible. Um, with Windows 8, I, it's still very early, so it's kind of hard to say what the success rate is going to be. I mean, Microsoft has had some some great success in the operating system uh, arena. I mean, that that's a huge understatement. But they've also had some pretty uh, well publicized missteps. Well, yeah, and, and Vista cough cough. <laughs> well, and of course they've 
they rectified a lot of that, but in, sure. on the initial release. Right. The the problem was that the initial release of Vista had enough problems in it, and it was a big enough change from previous versions of Windows to really upset people. Yeah. And even though Microsoft did address many, if not most, of those problems, by the time that was in place, the damage had been done. Right. Because that early response was so negative that to this day, Vista has that stigma attached to it, even though the later versions of the operating system were very different from those first releases. Yeah. So a lot of people skipped Vista entirely and waited for Windows 7 or, before, or they stuck with Windows XP um, because they had heard so many bad things about Vista, even, you know, and by the time that they had fixed it, it was, it was too late. Yeah, they... Um Microsoft has a problem in a way because so many people are sticking with XP even now um, that uh, even even with the success of Windows 7, I think I, I would go so far as to say that uh, pretty much everything I've read about Windows 7 is very positive. I've had positive experiences when I've used it. So have I. Um, and I. And I like the operating system, but uh, – People say the same kinds of things about Windows XP because it just it, it just works, and that that's you know people are seeing that as a barrier to entry for Windows 8. So if you've waited, you skipped Vista, you've skipped Windows 7, and you say, oh, Windows 8 looks kind of interesting, it's going to be much a much more dramatic change for you than it would be for somebody who's been using Windows 7. Right, and and to keep this in perspective, one of the challenges of being the the choice operating system among enterprises is that when you update your operating system, you know that your customer base is not going to adopt it that quickly, uh, at least not most of them, because it's a, it's a big deal for a company to upgrade an operating system. I mean, especially if all the IT people in your, your business are well trained on that operating system. Right. There's, they have to get retrained on a new one. It's, that's yeah. a lot of time. It's a lot of money. You have to, you have to gain new knowledge because you have to know how to support the new operating system. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure that any, uh, of the mission critical software you run is still operational on that new operating system. You may have some legacy software that you cannot port over to a new operating yes. system. Oh, well, we only use this. Well, yeah. guess what? This one, find something this else. one program works in Windows 3.1, and that's it. <laughs> well, that means we have to keep this machine running on Windows 3.1 because we have to have access to this um, software. And a business I went to just the other day had a, and I looked at it. It was a Windows 95 screen because that it was they were using a very specialized piece of software. Right. So uh, that's a big problem and also just the logistics. If you are a, if if you're running a large company and you've got a lot of employees and every employee has a computer, you know, rolling out that, you know, getting the licenses and then rolling out the operating system to each of those machines, this is a process that tends to take quite some time per machine. Yeah. Or it can take quite some time per machine it depending can. on the machine. Um, it's just it's it's you know it's it's a lot more complicated than uh, an average consumer saying oh that operating system looks really cool I'm in the uh, I'm in the the market for a new computer so I'll just go out and buy one of those yeah that's a lot easier for us as consumers than it is for businesses and with Microsoft having so much uh, support in the enterprise realm it's um, you know that's that's one of the big challenges mm-hmm. you know it's it's a great thing to say like. 
you know, businesses depend on our operating system. That's a great story to tell, yeah. but it it presents a whole realm of challenges that aren't uh, applicable to a company that's really just going after the average consumer. Yeah, and one of those one of the recent changes for Windows 8 too. One of the most uh, I think interesting because it's well, for one thing, it's kind of fun. Um, and at the same time, sort of an innovative security feature or intended security feature is the ability for your machine to recognize your face when you sit down in front of it. I mean, that's one of the things we talk about, about uh, the Xbox and Connect. Hey, it yeah. knows it's you, right. which isn't really an issue when you're playing a game. It's However, set if you're... all your difficulty levels to easy. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh... But when you are using your company's computer, you have proprietary information that they don't want to get out, and a photo of your face will work just as well as your face. That's a problem. That's a problem. And and, and Jonathan and I have just read a report that uh, the facial recognition uh, security software in Windows 8 is a little uh, insecure. Yeah, it might be one of those things where, again – a, cor- a corporation may just end up disabling it or forbidding people from using that as a means of accessing the computer. Yeah. So yeah. that instead you use a, a standard strong password in order to access it or whatever. Right. Um, I mean, you know, you know, retinal scan. Fingerprints could happen. I DNA mean, that's, that, sample. That's, I use I use a I use a fingerprint scanner for one of my machines. Yeah. Um, not the one that I currently have in front of me. That one I actually use a strong password for. But yes. uh, they, you know, that's it's one of those things where again, the certain features are built in. I think for convenience, and it may work well for one segment of the market, that being consumers who are, you know, just it's just their own personal machine, and they're mm-hmm. not, you know, it, perhaps the the uh, it's not as big a target for a hacker or someone else to to try and get access to it, uh, as opposed to a corporate machine that might have some truly uh, uh, valuable information on it. Uh, I would say that 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 facial recognition is aimed more for again the general consumer. Oh, I think so. But uh, you know, if you were tempted to turn that on for your work computer, your IT professional may come by and. Uh, shake and, his or her fist at you. Yeah, and say, do not do that. That is against the rules. <laughs> yes. Um, there yeah. will have to be a rule for it. Probably. Yeah, probably. But, um, but uh, again, these are one of those things where new technology comes out, gives us some uh, some new uh, ways of accessing our information. Sometimes they work great, and sometimes there are ways around that. So uh, it's it's to be expected. Yeah, I think so. But but by and large, I I really liked uh, having the opportunity to, to fiddle with it for a couple hours just to see, you know, how it how it's going to work, how the the interaction between the touchscreen style interface versus the desktop style interface um, would work, and it was it was it flowed pretty well. Yeah, and it was um it was really pretty. Oh yeah, it was very yeah. pretty. And and we again we were using it on a tablet, so. It was a tablet that did run uh, both the desktop and the tiled version of Windows, uh, and it was not difficult to navigate between the two. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, even even on a form factor like that, because most of us think of tablets as being significantly underpowered compared right. to desktops or whatever, it was a very uh, very smooth. Um, uh, experience, yeah, you know, transitioning from one to the other and and navigating through the the new user interface and and uh, playing with the apps and stuff. It was, 
I enjoyed it, and I thought it was a very attractive um, design. I agree. I agree. All right, cool. Well, I guess this wraps up our in-depth look at what Windows 8 is all about. Uh, some of you probably have been using it for a while. We should ask you what you thought about it. So, uh, hey. Drop us a line and let us know. What what you think about it? <laughs> huh? All right, so, yeah, let us know. You can send us an email. Our address is techstuff at discovery.com, or let us know on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw. That wraps this up. We'll talk to you again soon. End of line. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.